tactics. We're at Jeremiah chapter 6 this morning. And I also want to encourage all the ladies, the women, to sign up for that women's event that's going to be happening uh, at the end of this month. A Thanksgiving gathering that you would invite ladies. I, I always think it's so amazing when the women come together and they meet together uh, for these dinners, uh, special occasions, and they just make this place look like a banquet room. It's so amazing. But I, I wonder, where are all these women coming from? Because it gets so full. You know, we do a men's event, and it's not even nearly as full as what the women do. But I want to invite you to invite a friend, a family member to this potluck-style it's just worship gathering that is going to have. My wife's going to be teaching the word. So sign yourself up. Sign up a friend out in the back before you leave. That's going to be a very special time. So we are at Jeremiah chapter 6. We know that this is a very important week for our country, for our nation, for us as Christians. And we're also, as we take communion, as we go to the cross, we want to go to the cross with an attitude now of humility, with an attitude of of repentance, but also with an attitude to hear from God. With an attitude to hear from God. And today we're at Jeremiah chapter 6 with a message titled this, The Crossroads in Our Nation. The Crossroads in Our Nation. If you like taking notes, please write that down. Because today we want to be a church that trusts and that obeys. Not only that trusts the Lord, but also obeys God. And this week, as we are looking into Tuesday elections, we have to pray that God would give our country, us as a church, as a Christian, now church, favor. It was this year, earlier this year in January, that God gave us that theme of being rooted and grounded, right? January of 2020. We want to be, this will be the year that the church is rooted and grounded, and few months after, we had every reason not to be rooted and grounded <laughs> with pandemics, with riots, with lawlessness, with fear, with a breakdown in morality that we have never seen before in our culture that was so palpable, fear on every side. You see, all of this reminded us that Jesus is coming soon. How many of you guys believe that Jesus is coming soon? Amen. Yes, he is coming soon. And today we're not going to do anything different than what we do every single Sunday. We're going to teach the Word of God. And we're going to let the Word of God speak for our time. Because it's always been in our country, in our churches, since the 1800s, 1700s, that the pulpit, that the, the, the pastor, the preacher was a place of truth and a place of justice through the Word of God. I love what James Madison, the fourth president of the United States, said when he said this, The future and success of America is not in this Constitution, but in the laws of God upon which the Constitution is founded. Our Constitution was founded on the laws and the principles and precepts of the very Word of God that you hold in your hand right now. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. This is given by the breath of God, by the Holy Spirit, that which you hold in your hand. And it is profitable, it is good, it benefits, it adds value when it comes to doctrine, teaching, when it comes to reproof or exhortation, correction, instruction, and in righteousness. In any place in life, in any arena in life, the Bible is there to give us instruction. And today we're bringing out the Bible so that the Bible can give us instruction. I'm going to tell you this as a pastor to a believer. 
To those of you that call this your home church, that if, if you're really trying to fit into the crowd, you're not going to make it. We need to look to the Bible before we look to the ballot. And we need to stand for righteousness because how you cast your vote will say a lot about your Christian character, about your biblical convictions. And I pray that we do cast our vote and that not only we do it righteously, but notice this, that you would do it with a pure conscience. Can you open up your Bible and cast your vote with a pure conscience today? Because your vote is not simply your right as a citizen, it's your responsibility as a Christian. You have a responsibility to stand for truth and for righteousness. It was Edmund Burke that said this, the only thing for triumph or the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. And the reason why there's been a breakdown in our society, a breakdown in morality, because we've seen good men and women, godly men and women, the Christian church, not stand up and speak when it was called to rise up and speak. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put the lamp under a basket, but on a lamp stand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Can others see the good works in what you do, the decisions you make? Because we are standing at a crossroads church. You are standing at a crossroads church and the decisions that you make will affect the future, not only of the church, but of our country now. This is why we need a biblical worldview. And we need to stand for the things that God stands for, the principles and the promises of the Word of God. What does the Bible say when it comes to life? In Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, Jesus said, or the prophet says, as he's speaking on behalf of the Lord, he says, Before I formed you I, in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you a prophet to the nations. We have a God that is pro-life. Do you believe that? Amen. And his word says it that before he knew us, before we were in the womb, he already knew us and he had a plan for us. Therefore, we should stand for what God stands for. What does the Bible say when it comes to his, the nation of Israel? And uh, we as Christians, as Americans, as a nation, what are we to do? We ought to stand and back up Israel. Genesis chapter two, 12, verse 3. This promise that is given to Abraham in regards to the nation of Israel that so stands true for us today. It says, Genesis 12, 3, And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And you, all the families of the earth, shall be blessed. What is God expecting us to do to back up Israel? And that we have our eye on Israel. Because when we look at Israel and the things that are taking place in the Middle East, we see that Jesus is coming soon. And everything is being set up for one thing, for the rapture of the church. And once the rapture of the church happens, we know that the spirit of the Antichrist is going to be so heavy upon this world that there's going to be a, a global universalist now, one world order and religion taking place. And you see how we are almost being conditioned by society in regards to what to believe and what not to believe and controlled. We need to support Israel. What does the Bible say about marriage? See, oftentimes we don't want to become offensive, but we have to look to the Bible because that's what we stand for. And the Bible is pro-marriage as ordained by God. God loves marriage. God wants to protect marriage, and we ought to protect marriage as well. 
Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, it says, This explains why a man leaves a father and mother and joined to his wife, and the two shall become and be united into one. These are the principles and the convictions that we should stand for, and not only that, are religious liberties that are being so attacked. When the church can meet, when the church cannot meet, when the church uh, can gather and not gather, when the church ought to sing and worship God, you know that that is, that is from the devil. <laughs> when, when the church cannot sing to the Lord, cannot worship the Lord, you know what happens when the worship goes up? The presence comes down. <laughs> what the government is saying, do, do silence now yourself. You no longer are able to experience the presence of God. I was reading how maybe you recognize how just ridiculous these rules that have been placed upon us here in the state of California in regards to Thanksgiving and, and Christmas gatherings, and it says we can't sing. <laughs> That's a direct attack to the church. I was talking to a pastor, my wife and I, this week, and talking about how that specific rule was directly to attack the Christians. The pastor told me something I wouldn't forget. He says, who else has anything to, to sing about right now? <laughs> It is the church that has something to sing about. We sing about the faithfulness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We have to be a people that know that the head of the church is Christ and not our government. But we're going to stand for three things. Number one, convictions, commandments, and commitments. I want to go over three major points. We're going to see these in Jeremiah. Number one, our convictions, the commandments, and the commitments. You like taking notes? Write that down. The conviction, the commandment, and the commitment. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We ask right now, Lord, that your word would change our hearts. That your word would cause us to rise up and build Upon a firm foundation, your word. That there would be men here and women that have strong convictions, not watered down convictions. Not weak convictions. That we would stand for truth or else we will fall and be led astray for everything. And anything. And we pray this all in Jesus' name together the church would say. So Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 16 Thus says the Lord, here the nation of Israel had turned their back on the Lord. They had backslidden at this point. There was a lot of false prophets taking place, saying, thus says the Lord. People that didn't know which way to turn, where to go now, they had found themselves in desolation and anguish and problems after experiencing the consequences of what it looks like for a nation to turn their back on God. You want to know what it looks like for a nation or the consequences of a nation that turns their back on God? Just turn the TV on. You'll see the consequences of a nation that turns their back on God. But we as Christians must, must look to the Lord and surrender now. And here as there was a confusion and the nation of Israel needed a guide here, this is what the Lord says to the nation of Israel that is speaking to us right now. And it starts with your convictions at the crossroads. Because when you're standing at a crossroads and you're going to make a decision about which direction to take, it's going to ultimately determine your future. 
And your future is going to be dictated by that of which is already a conviction in your heart and in your mind. So thus says the Lord here, Jeremiah 6.16, stand in the ways, stand in the crossroads. That's what it means, the ways. There are many ways to go for the nation of Israel at this time. But they needed the right way to go. (laughs) There were many routes to take, but the nation of Israel needed to be focused and needed a guide as to where they stood because they were wondering which way to go. Now notice this. Many people today are wondering, which way should I take as a Christian? Which way should I stand for as a believer? Know this. In God's word, there is wisdom available to tell you which way to go. And here the Lord is going to call them back to God's word and to God's ways. You know what God is calling us back to, thus says the Lord? God's word, God's ways. When you don't know where to go and you don't know what to say, you don't know where to turn, go to God's word and look to God's ways now. Because these crossroads are going to determine now the place of blessing, the place of obedience, or the place of disobedience now. And we're going to see this here in verse 16 as thus says the Lord now, stop or stand in the ways. And notice what he says, and see. What does the Lord say? Number one, stand. Circle the word stand. Stop at the crossroads. And number two, he wants us to see. Look around. Observe now. Stand. See. But then the Lord is telling the nation of Israel here to, number three, ask for the old path. Where there is a good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Now what is it that the Lord is telling the nation of Israel to ask, to stand, to see, but to ask also for the old paths and the good ways. What are the old paths and good ways that we ought to ask for? The old paths were the wholesome paths the God-honoring paths, the, the paths that were built now, the ways that were built with godly character that led us in the direction of obedience now here for the nation of Israel. And I want you to realize something. When he says old paths, look at the ancient ways. Look at what God's done in the past. Look to God's faithfulness to what God has done in the lives of your forefathers, Israel. Do you see how faithful God has been to you, nation of Israel? Can you look at the faithfulness of God and look back at the ways in which you obeyed the Lord, those good ways? What are the good paths? The path of faithfulness. And what is the good ways? It's the way of, I'm going to tell you right now, it's the way of repentance. The way of reconciliation. The way of fear for God. The way of love for God. But notice what it says here in this very verse. Because it says, when you find, when you ask and when you find for these ways, where the good way is, then it it commands us to do one thing. Walk in it. Not just to look at it, but walk in it. Stop at the crossroads. Look at the old ways. The ancient ways. And once you've seen them, you are called to walk in it. You know, in a progressive culture that we live in, people want to say, you know what, that's old, that's ancient, that is not something that we want. We want to continue to change and evolve to new things, to allow ourselves to be dictated by the desires of our feelings and our pleasures now. But what the Lord is calling the nation of Israel here to do is to ask. Number one, ask for what? Ask now for the old path and the good ways. What are you asking for today? 
What are you asking for from the Lord? What are you asking from the Lord for the rest of this year? For your life, for your family. Are you asking for the old paths and the good ways? Because once you receive it, he's saying, travel in that path. Travel in this path now. And notice what it says here in verse 16. Then, once you're traveling in this path, then look at the blessing now after you have found that path that God wants us in. And once you are walking on it, there's a blessing now that comes or there's rewards that come here with the obedience. And in verse 16 it says, then you will find rest for your souls. Isn't there a lot of unrest in our country right now? <laughs> what is it that we need? We need rest. We need peace. We need a rest and a peace that only God can give as God looks at the heart of man and changes the heart of man because man is surrendering to the Lord and going back to the old paths and the good ways. The moment that we say we prefer our ways instead of God's ways is the moment that not only do we lose peace and joy, but no longer in our heart now do we have the presence of God now and there is an unrest now and there is a fear, a panic. He says, then you will have what? Rest for your souls. What does this tell us? That you will never have rest outside of obedience to God's word. If we choose to stand for something that is outside of God's word, we will not have rest. And what we need is rest. We need is peace from God. But notice it doesn't talk about only a physical rest. It talks about a spiritual rest. <laughs> and it says rest for your soul. You see, when we walk away from the word of God, you individually, when you start to wrestle against God's will for your life, you said, you know what? I choose not to follow that through rest of your soul, your spiritual peace now your relationship your communion with God no longer is there there is a breakdown in fellowship and look how they respond here verse 16 but they said we will not walk in it they refuse to walk in it that's not the road we want that's what it says that's not the road we want now despite God's instruction despite God's invitation here the nation of Israel rejected the old path and the good way let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. It says, this is what the Lord said. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old, godly way and walk in it. Travel in its path and you will find rest for your souls. But you replied, no, that's not the road we want. You know oftentimes why we say, no, that's not the road we want? Because we want what, what satisfies our pleasure. We want what satisfies our convenience. And even when we think... Think of it on a national scale. We start to look at, at people instead of principles, instead of precepts. We look at personalities instead of promises and precepts of the Word of God. I pray that we wouldn't vote off of personalities, that we would vote off of principles. The principles of the Word of God. That's the conviction that God wants us to do, to stand at the crossroads, look around, ask for the ways, and then walk in those ways. You know how you, where you find those ways? In the Word of God. We need direction. And the direction is in the old paths and in the good ways. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 23. If you turn the page to the next chapter. Because here, the Lord reminds now the nation of Israel, what has His commandment been to them? As they 
exited from Egypt, right after the exodus, what is it that God commanded? And this is what I commanded you, he says, when you came out of Egypt now. To not trust in external things. Do not trust in the temple. Do not trust in sacrifices. Do not trust in people or in things. But that you would obey. And you know what the commandment is for? Is for obedience. Because the nation of Israel, they continued when it came to sacrifices, but their obedience stopped. <laughs> and oftentimes as a church, we can continue when it comes to sacrifices, when it comes to routine, when it comes to going through the motions, but is our obedience still there? You see how sacrifices can continue, but obedience can stop? And that's what happened to the nation of Israel. And no, notice here in Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 23 now, but this is what I have commanded them, saying. What has God commanded us? And here he reminds us. Obey my voice. Whose voice? God's voice. Oftentimes, and even today in our world, there's many voices, and we start to entertain the many voices that we're hearing, but we should silence those voices so that we can hear the only voice that truly matters, and it's the voice of God. There are times in our even minds that we wrestle with which voice do we want to listen to. And we're tempted now to receive the voices that are not coming from the Word of God. Notice what it says, obey my voice. Are you listening to the voice of God in the Word of God? This is where, how you can obey His voice. And notice it, it continues, verse 23, and I will be your God and you shall be my people. There's going to be a fellowship now, obedience to the word of God as we listen to the word of God, as we listen to the voice of God, not only would it bring blessing, but it also would bring fellowship. And I will be your people, notice this, as it continues, walk, obey and walk. Again, we have that word walk in it. God wants you to walk. That your obedience would be lived out. Walk in all the ways that I have commanded you. That it may be well with you. Rest for your souls. And that it may be well with you. I don't know about you, but I want it to be well with us. <laughs> that in order for us to receive that promise, to step into that blessing. Notice what we are called to do, number one. To walk in the ways that he has commanded us. In this verse 23, it says, do everything that I say. What is God calling you to do? To do everything that he says now. So that the outcome, the reward of that would be blessing. And it tells us this in verse 23, that it may be well with you. Yet, verse 24, notice what, what, how the nation of Israel responds. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear. They didn't obey they chose to rebel to their own stubborn and deceitful ways. And it says, but followed the counsels and the dictates of their evil hearts and went backward and not forward. <laughs> Do you see that in crossroads when you're making decisions, you also are going to affect your spiritual walk either if you're going to go backward or you're going to go forward. Will you go backward or forward today? In fact, it says here in verse 24 that the nation of Israel did not listen or they didn't incline their ear. God is speaking to us, but are we willing to incline our ear and say, Lord, I'm listening to your voice. I want to do whatever you say. In fact, what they said is we're so stubborn. 
And we want to follow our own evil desires, our own feelings now, what makes me feel good instead of what honors God. That's the evil dictates of the heart now. What gives me pleasure instead of what honors God. And they're choosing to listen to the wrong voice. You see, I pray that we would be a people, men and women, that don't listen to the wrong voice. Because when you listen to the wrong voice, you will also choose the wrong way. And there are many people choosing the wrong way because they're listening to all the wrong voices. They're not opening the word of God. And you know what the consequences were? That they were going backwards instead of forwards. Notice what it says there in verse 24. And because of the evil dictates of their hearts, they went backwards and didn't go forwards. They were regressing and not moving forward to the Lord's plan. Are you going backward in the direction that you aren't supposed to be going? Or are we following the direction that God has with a forward walk, being faithful to God's ways? You see the commandment of God that we would do everything that he says, that we would, number one, obey. But now let's turn our Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 24 now. Where we see three examples of the Lord dealing with his people on a national level. And we see a leader here, Joshua, in chapter 24, verse 14, where he comes to a place called Shechem, a place of inheritance, a place where Abraham and Moses built memorials and altars for God. And now he's coming to the end of his leadership, Joshua, in Joshua chapter 24, And as he's coming to the end of the leadership, he's already now divided the inheritance in the promised land to everyone. Everyone has their share in their promised land now. They've arrived, so to speak. (laughs) But he's telling them not to get comfortable. (laughs) You know what happens to the church, to our country oftentimes? That we've received, and we've been a blessed country, but oftentimes, and what has happened over time historically, that the church has become comfortable. And we haven't stood up for fear for God. In fact, we have feared more people than we have feared God. And we we fear more who we're going to offend instead of if we're going to offend the Lord. And here in Joshua chapter 24, what Joshua is doing is he's going to encourage now the, the nation of Israel after now giving them an account of God's faithfulness to fear the Lord and to serve God only. Notice here in verse 14 of chapter 24 of Joshua, now therefore, based off of God's faithfulness, this is what you ought to do, this is what we ought to do. Notice what it says, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now notice, two times it says the word serve the Lord. It opens up with fear the Lord, and then it says serve the Lord. Wholeheartedly, with sincerity, and with truth. First of all, it says fear God. Show reverence for God. Show an obedience to God in how you respond, and then serve the Lord. Now do you know that everyone is serving someone or something? You might not think you're serving someone or something, but everyone is serving someone or something. Everyone has a God that they serve. 
And you would say, you know what, well, oftentimes society says you don't have to have a God, but whether you think of it or not, you do, and it's called idolatry oftentimes if it's not the one true living God of the Bible. But here what we see here is that he's saying, you know what, serve the Lord now. And fear Him as well. You see, you always know who it is that you're serving when you have to answer the question, for me to live is, and then you put it, fill in the blank. <laughs> for you to live is what? Is it Christ? Is it obedience? Is it the Lord? Or is it something else? Is it money? For me to live is success. For me to live is pleasure. What is the meaning or the purpose of why you do what you do? Joshua Hill is telling here the people, now therefore... Fear the Lord. Fear Him. But not only fear Him, also serve Him. How is Joshua telling the people to serve Him? In sincerity, in honesty, and in integrity. Serve the Lord with a sincere commitment. You know that our commitment is not only in, when we're in the building of the house of God. Our commitment is far beyond that when we leave now the walls of this place in the house of the church. It's a sincere commitment. Serve the Lord with sincerity. Not only does he say this, the only way to do that, to fear God and to serve Him in sincerity and in truth and in integrity and with godly character, the only way that you can do that is that you put away. <laughs> now look at the word that it says in verse 14. Put away the gods or the idols now, which your fathers or where... I came from, or the things that you served in the past, put away that, that they served on the other side of the river in Egypt, and served the Lord, or here it says, and serve the Lord alone now. There are often times that we're holding on to things from the past that we can't serve God today. We're holding on to the past, a past sin, a, a past historical or cultural position, a family thing. <laughs> And all of those things are holding us back from serving the Lord in sincerity and in truth. Because my mindset is to do the things that my fathers did. But how do you know those are the things that God wants? You see, he's saying, before you cross that river, th th those were different behaviors. Those were different beliefs. Those are different ways of thinking and different ways of living now. But now as you cross now the river, notice what you ought to do now. Put those things aside. Put them away, those the idolatrous thoughts and ways now so that you can serve the Lord honestly. You know, if we hold on to things that we are not, to able, not supposed to hold on to, you know what it does? Not only does it hinder our walk with the Lord, but it also changes our mind when it comes to the will of God. And no longer do we have a desire to align ourselves with God's will. Verse 15, it says this, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, if you think this is not a good idea, <laughs> notice the word that it uses here in verse 15, choose. I love that. Would you underline that in your Bible? Choose. Because it's a necessary choice on who you will choose to serve. Are you going to choose to serve a foreign God? Or are you going to choose to serve the one true living God here? Joshua is telling them, he's saying, make a decision today, make a choice now on who you're going to serve for yourselves this day or today now. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But notice what it says here. This is amazing, a verse that we've all come to before. But as for me, Joshua says, in my house we will serve the Lord. 
You make a choice about who you're going to serve. You make a decision now about how you will live your life today. And whether you think this is a bad idea or not, and you want to serve the gods on the other side of the river, or you want to serve the gods that are currently right now the god of this world, the god of the spirit of this age. Now, you make that decision of who you will serve. Do you know that by not making a decision, sometimes you've already made a choice? The moment that you said, I don't want to make a decision about who I want to serve, I want to remain neutral when it comes to these issues, you've already made a choice. You made a choice whether or not you want to choose to please the Lord. But this was a wise choice that Joshua made. This is the same wise choice that we need to make today. What is the choice that he made? But as for me and my house... You know why Joshua says this? Because he has a responsibility of representing his household. He has a a responsibility of representing the leadership of his house before the Lord. You know what this tells us? That that we're going to have to answer to the Lord with the choices that you made. Both men as leaders of home and also women. That ought to be salt and light in the world today. You will have to answer the choices that we make. Will you make a wise choice? You see what Joshua is saying, he's saying we're going to move ahead and commit to the Lord as you've arrived at this promised land and, and, and commit to the truth regardless of people's inclinations or opinions now. And he was demonstrating this bold example that encouraged many people to follow now. But what did he have to say first? You choose but I've already made a choice and I'm going to serve the Lord. Have you made the ultimate choice today? Not only am I going to choose to serve the Lord, I choose to believe. I made a choice to follow the Lord. I made a choice to to stand with what God stands for. And notice in verse 16 how the people responded. A faithful response in verse 16, a response that we ought to look for. So the people answered and said, For it be it from us that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. You know who serves other gods in the world? Not the church. Not God's people. For the Lord our God, He is who brought us out from the, up from our fathers out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage. God has rescued us. God has been so faithful to us. And he goes on, he says, who did the, those great signs in our sight and preserved us in the way that we went in and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from us before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwell in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Isn't this amazing here? What are they saying? We're also going to serve the Lord. Why? Because he is our God. Do you see that in everything we do, the choices that we make, we're saying whether or not we're going to serve the Lord. And I pray that that also would be your desire, to serve the Lord. Because how can we possibly stand for something that God doesn't stand for and say we're walking with the Lord? We're not walking with the Lord and we're standing for something else. If you say you're walking with the Lord, you should stand for what the Lord stands for, regardless of man's opinions. Regardless of emotional feelings. And it's so sad today because today everyone wants to be swayed by feelings. Everybody wants to be unoffended. But the word of God is living and powerful and it penetrates the heart and it convicts the soul. Notice what it does. It offends as well. I love that Jesus said that he came to draw the line. And he said, you're either with me 
or you're against me. And it's that simple. <laughs> you know what our emotions try to do? Our emotions try to say, how close can I be close to the world and still be right with God? That is not the way of the world. That's not the old paths and the good ways that God wants us to choose. Can we choose today to say, I'm gonna, we're going to go back to the cross, we're going to go back to repentance, and we're going to say, Lord, bless this country. Bless the United States of America and show us favor that we would pray for our president regardless of what you think about him. It doesn't matter what you think about him. God has called you to pray for him. That's what his word says. And if we can support a man that surrounds himself with godly counsel, then we as a church better support a man that surrounds himself with godly counsel. That is the hope of our nation, our faith, the Bible, the scripture. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, Heavenly Father,